Welcome everyone to the Gospel Fluency Podcast. Uh, we are back in the Clock Tower studio, full of cinnamon buns and also hay fever, uh, because it's spring. Spring has sprung. Daylight savings is upon us, which is great in every way except nasally. So that would be if if I'm sounding a bit off today, then that is why. Um, I'm joined today uh, by John Tran. Uh, Catherine is away on holidays, um, and also special guest Chris Swan is here in the studio with us. Um, Chris is a good friend of us, a good friend of our church, um, uh, one of my colleagues at City to City, and very stoked to have you. Hey, it's so great to be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were talking uh, uh, before the recording that this is a bit of a crossover event. Major. Major event major in, yep. in um, podcasting because you have a podcast as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Conversations of Grace? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Nathan Oliver and I host Conversations of Grace and uh, we just kind of talk about the ordinary stuff in life, uh, things that might come up in conversations uh, at the pub or with family or friends. Uh, you know, we had an episode on aliens uh, so do, should, should Christians be open to the possibility of aliens? And uh, uh, more recently, we're doing a series on uh, kind of for conversations with kids. So we just did do, do pets go to heaven, and uh, we you know we try and help people think about the Bible and see how Jesus is connected to these ordinary questions and brings life and hope and mm. um, joy and transformation. So good. Uh, obviously. Uh, a real, uh, yeah, a real crossover between the kind of topics that oh, we yeah. talk about, gospel fluency, conversations of grace. Um, if you get a chance to uh, subscribe uh, to Conversations of Grace, do so. Uh, it's really great. Um, We've we got Chris in for a good reason, um, because uh, having finished our four-episode series on redemption and looking at how the gospel speaks into various worldviews or frameworks that we, through which we understand life, um, we're now moving on to renewal. Uh, mm. renewal if, if the redemption is often uh, thought about in terms of like a singular event that changes everything then renewal is is the process of change it's what transforms us to be more like Christ um, so Chris uh, has lots of experience teaching and preaching on this particular topic um, so uh, grateful to have you and mm. your expertise um, Chris I'm gonna hand to you uh, take us through renewal and what that means um, within the, the story of the Bible sure yeah well I guess um, the place I'd w- like to start is probably with uh, I guess in the era of promise uh, with the, the prophet Jeremiah and, and some of the other prophets who uh, look at and speak to the people of Israel at, who are um, walking away from God. And they uh, tell them there's going to be judgment. And on the other side of that judgment, when God brings salvation, there's not just going to be a change of kind of position, if you like, rescued from exile, delivered from their enemies, um, brought back to kind of the land physically, but there's going to be a change inside them. So they have new hearts uh, and, and uh, you know, Jeremiah says, says um, uh, this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every person teach their neighbour and every person their brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Mm. And I guess uh, what's great about promises like this is that you see there's not just the kind of promise of forgiveness and, and redemption and a change of position, as I say, but uh, a change of people's experience. 
Um, they actually come into the presence of God and God puts his law and uh, other passages speak about his own spirit within them to change them and to uh, make things like they were meant to be. And so if you kind of rewind back to creation, you see uh, the first humans walking in the presence of God in the garden, uh, experiencing being with God, uh, hearing from God directly, responding to God, and uh, that that gets lost as they pursue, um, I guess, the, the desires of their heart. Uh, so, so rather than having their desires met and satisfied in this um, being present with God and, and having God direct and walking with them, walking with him, uh, they pursue, you see that the woman sees the fruit of the tree that the, the serpent directs her to that's pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom and uh, puts this good thing, a good gift from God, in the place of God. Uh, and that leads to all these terrible kind of terrible consequences. You see that sort of the ripple effect going out in a, in a bad way through the kind of early chapters of Genesis. Uh, and, and then that's the thing that, that kind of comes to a head with Israel, um, who had been rescued to have this relationship with God, to walk with God, to have God in their midst, in their presence, in the tabernacle, but who weren't living it that they were just like everyone else. Um, and and so God says there's going to be, we're going to put a stop to that, there's going to be judgment, there's going to be redemption, and then there's going to be, you're going to experience this transformation and change. And so what we find in, in the New Testament in Jesus is that starts to happen and you get, get these pictures. One of my favourite and most, uh, I think one of the most arresting pictures of the Christian life in the pages of the New Testament is uh, when Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, uh, talks about the fact that um, they will behold the Lord face to face and be transformed from one degree of glory to another. Mm. Which I think is really different from sometimes the way we think about what happens in Jesus. Is It's great, he died for us, we're redeemed, sorts out our sin and our guilt and our shame and all of those things. And then we kind of almost in a waiting room. Uh, waiting for mm. Jesus to come back and, and we just sort of have to hang on and, and wait, not get too bored and distracted, but just wait well. And actually the, the picture though is, yes, there's, there's of course going to be gloriously more when Jesus returns and we will, we will have the presence of God with us, you know, that picture in Revelation wiping away every tear and um, Jesus holding us close and, and us, you know, that promise being fulfilled. We're, we're God's people and he's our God in his presence but even now we get to experience some of that it's not just a waiting room there's this positive hope for change and transformation and Mm. uh, beginning to experience the presence of god with us and his spirit in us uh, redirecting our desires from where they might tend to kind of settle on the gifts rather than him as the giver and and finding actually in him deeper fulfillment and a real rest and a fulfillment of those those things we we long for the fullest version of that mm. um, that begins to just make make a difference mm. and and transform us even now as Paul says from one degree of glory to another mm. there's lots more I could say yeah yeah 
No, that's great. Thanks so much. And uh, I guess we would say even like from the earliest pages of the Bible when with Adam and Eve in the garden, mm. I think I've, I often for a long time thought about that as like the finished product. Right. You know, yeah. God, Adam and Eve had... Had, they had the relationship with God. It was perfect in this paradise, and that's kind of it. And then it was just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the same old right, <laughs> from right. then on, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. we get the sense, really, that wasn't the case, right? That surely, that, that the the ideal environment mm. is still people growing. Yes, even yes, yeah. And I think there's two things to say about that. One is really interestingly, the detail in the creation uh, story is that uh, the man is formed outside the garden. And then placed in mm. it by an act of God, and so to be brought into the presence of God, which is the sort of engine room of mm. this renewal, is a work of God's grace to start with. He he, he does it. He initiates it. Mm. It's not kind of natural and deserved and mm. right. And then there's, as you say, there is a there's a future to it. Right. The whole creation itself, I think, is a uh, presented as a sort of a project, perfect and good. You know, very good, many mm. times in Genesis 1. Mm. Good, good, very good. Mm. And yet uh, there's more to happen. Um, almost the picture is that that the first humans, their job, their task as they fill the earth and subdue it is to take mm. that experience of God that they have by God's grace in the garden and extend it to the whole world. Mm. You know, there's more people that, that will descend from them to benefit from it. Uh, but there's also the the good of creation to be those good gifts to be their potential to be drawn out and actually bring bring praise to God and mm. good good to God's people when they're put in their right place and that's part of the the tragedy of what goes wrong when they settle on for the gifts rather than mm. the giver mm. uh, is that they actually miss out on this this great future or they get diverted from it mm. and it's it's by the act of God and fulfilment of his promises through the Lord Jesus that that wrenches us back mm. yeah on course yeah that's so good and so we we've, we've seen this this great reversal then really mm. haven't we so in the various mm. earliest um, pages we've seen uh, how through Christ humanity is brought back to not yet in that perfect idyllic kind of vision yet mm. although that's to come mm. but uh, brought back to a sense of well, sin made us change for the worst, as I see in Old Testament, things got worse and worse. Yes. Now that's reversed, and through the Holy Spirit um, renewing us as His images and His people, um, we mm, mm. we've got this new power to get to change for the better. Right. Mm, mm. Um, that's really cool. Um, throughout this uh, this podcast, we've we've looked at how that the story of God is mirrored um, in culture. Mm. How you know. Everyone's made in God's image, and yeah. so by nature, human beings seek to, in a in a negative way, counterfeit the story. Mm. Um, look for ways to achieve that inbuilt longing without yes. God. Yes. Um, how do we see that in our culture? Maybe I'll start with John. Yeah, two things come to mind. Uh, so one, there's this notion in our culture, I think, that we should be unapologetic about who we are and where we are. Mm. And, and we should feel unashamed about being imperfect or uh, broken or somehow not fully who we should be. And living into that is being your true authentic self. It's being me, being vulnerable. Um, and that's something that's, um, that people should aspire to, right? So look how messy my home is. Look mm. how... Um, 
unhealthy maybe some of my behaviours are. Uh, but that's fine. That's just me being me. I think there's definitely that sense in our culture as well. But then I think at the same time we have this tension with this other uh, deep feeling or longing that um, things aren't just, they're not the way that they should be. We should probably be better spouses or be better parents. Uh, and there's this real tension uh, that we have in our culture of, well, what do I do with that? Mm. Do I strive for change? Do I look for change? Do I ask others to help me to change? Mm. But then there's this conflicting message at the same time that says, no, 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 you shouldn't change. Mm. You need to just be yourself. Mm. You know. And so yeah. there's this real conflict in our culture and I don't think that we've got a really good way to deal with it. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, Curious so to hear what others think. Chris, what do you, where do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a great point. There is this uh, tremendous social sort of itch or urge to to change to change ourselves and the world to remake it after a certain ideal interestingly a lot of that ideal is to express what's in me or to allow me to to kind of be myself most fully um and you know that's not just self-help books on the shelves of you know the the bookstore um be your best self but there there's kind of uh, a strong push um you know my, my uh, families a little bit connected with certain um, kind of activist circles uh, here in Melbourne, fe- feminist uh, circles and things, and um, there's a strong desire to see the world change for the better, mm. and uh, to be you know be the change you see even, and mm. so there's that sense of um, that's that's what people are hungry for, and that leads to some of the kind of tensions and conflicts in our culture, partly because we we don't always know how to do that well. Or we think we do know how to do it and other people aren't doing it quickly enough and so we need to call them out or cancel them. Um, yeah. And and there's, you know, but hang on, isn't the whole thing to be be what's in you? And so there's kind of this mm-hmm. uh, kind of get, get into a knot in, in that respect. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was, um, I've, been, I've been quoting Taylor Swift a lot lately. Uh, because uh, I, I love her and yeah she's the prophetess of our age mm. right she just seems mm. to she often uh puts her just finger on the button of the of of the uh the kind of the spirit of those particular younger generations and uh, she was doing a commencement address for one of the american colleges and um she basically said um uh, a lot of you uh you know all of you out there are trying to work out like who are you who do you want to be Right, and he said, and she said, "There's the, here's the good news. The good news is it's entirely up to you." And then she said, "And here's the terrifying news: it's entirely up to mm. you." <laughs> mm. <laughs> right, and uh, and it's it's a it's a beautiful um, description of that tension, mm. which is yes, I can I can be who I want to be, and oh no, I can I have to be who I want to be, and that's. Mm. It's both exhilarating and crushing <laughs> at the same time, right? Why do you think um, uh, we talk uh, as we talk about this? This is a kind of cultural zeitgeist, big picture stuff. Like, where do you think it hits home for the average Melbourneian? Mm. Not the not the person like super keyed into the um, uh, to the the cultural conversation, right, 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 yeah, but yeah. the average yeah. person. Where do you think it hits for them? Yeah. Well, I reckon I experienced it uh, very acutely when my kids were little and you'd take them to the park, mm. right? And because everyone's kids are 
kind of acting in slightly different ways. Um, and and often, maybe it was just me, but I was feeling the pressure to kind of um, keep my kids acting in a way that other parents looking on would find acceptable. Right? I was kind of worried about their expectations. And, um, and yet, I, you know, partly I, there were just some things that, that the way my kids acted was, you know, I, I, they're them and I can't control it on the one hand. And they're doing, you know, there's things I just let slide because there's only so many, like it's completely exhausting and I'm barely mm. treading water and keeping my head above the surface. And, and so I'm in survival mode and, and, inter- and particularly when parents then get talking to each other, right, about, well, this is what I do in terms of discipline or not discipline or this is what, what we're, we're doing. Or you'd even see, I'd, I'd be at like, um, like play groups and things and you'd see parents reading a book to their kids and be uh, pausing to kind of go, oh, look, let's count how many of the, you know, they're teaching a bit of maths along the side. And I'm like, if I can get my son to, like, just follow the story and not, like, mm. hurt himself or someone <laughs> else, um, it's a win. And, and I just, but I just been, they felt guilty and like, inadequate mm. and like I was a bad parent compared to all these others. And at the same time, I felt really strongly, well, no, I'm, I'm doing the, I'm just surviving here. And who, who's anyone else to tell me or, or make me feel bad about myself? Mm. And so I kind of, I feel like I lived that mm. conflict mm. over and over again. And it just takes different forms now. Yeah, my kids yeah. are a little bit older, but um, that's one, a very common one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. John, you got anything? Mm. I think the, um, there's this like low hum of judgmentalism mm. that uh, that we find ourselves in, uh, and so you know there, there's always those little snide remarks when you're talking with people about others who don't live the same way or think the same way or who don't uh, back mm. the same political party or whatever. That those little mm. remarks that just get thrown into a dinner conversation or something like that. Those things I think are just flags to mm. a, um, that point to a much deeper uh, problem mm-hmm. that's actually going on here. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a question of, well, what do I believe is going to bring change into the world? Um, and you're a fool if you think otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, but because most Melburnians are pretty moral creatures, we like to think that we're not actively going around hurting anyone right. or destroying anyone, yeah. but actually that sort of spirit, that attitude works mm. its way out in the yeah. way that we talk about others. There's a gracelessness mm. about it. Mm. Which, which kind of really, like, that hurts when you're receiving it yeah. or it's directed at you or you hear some someone else has been talking about you, worst of all, um, because we we want to be better. Like, we actually want change. We want, we, we already, and kind of particularly when we feel like we're, a bit inadequate and it's we're not quite getting there and we sort of know you know like I knew with my parenting that I was falling short and that when someone makes that kind of statement it's got like it's if 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 you didn't care you'd be like mm, you know hmm. whatever you judgmental jerk but it's like oh, yeah actually I, I kind of know that I'm I'm not what I'm cracked up to be and I, mm. I need to change mm. and I don't know I, where's, where am I going to get the power for that from? Is mm. it just a better night's sleep or mm. a bit more coffee or, you know? Both. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs> yeah that's so true. Um, 
and I think it's it's not too much of a stretch to say that everything we've just talked about is uh, within the church as Ooh, much yeah. as outside the church. Mm. Like we just talked about culture in general, right? Mm. But I see those same plays mm. uh, within Christian community, mm. within myself as a Christian, as a pastor. Mm. Um, would you guys agree with that? Like you're, I'm seeing some mms. Uh, <laughs> 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think... Um, uh, we easily adopt actually a, as a, a, a like the word you use, graceless paradigm for how, oh, was it John? Yeah, a, a graceless paradigm for how to change, even knowing that we have received grace ourselves, right? Supposedly knowing. Supposedly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it is it the case? It's the supposedly. So that's that's so interesting. I was been I was talking with a friend recently about um, kind of church church leadership and and Christian workplaces, uh, you know, and um, part of what makes when things don't go right or how you think, you know, when people don't treat each other gracelessly or they're not mm. kind or there's gossip or whatever it is, part of what makes it so painful is that it's meant to be different. And you kind of, you know, it. you know, it's meant to be different, yeah. Yeah. and and you know it's meant to be better, and we're meant mm. to be better, and and yet we just turn out to be pretty similar, um, and and that kind of just mm. almost amplifies it the pressure that it that mm. um, that kind of situation puts, and it can be similar with Christian. I mean, maybe this is one of the reasons why people sometimes hang back from Christian community because they get kind of hurt by the either explicit or very much more mm. often implicit kind of mm. judgmentalism around, okay, well, you're not living up to the standards. Mm. or And again, I found this my uh, hilarious moment where I was overseas with my, my kids, um, my w- wife and son at the time, and uh, w- we were in, my son and I were in a church, little, little Scottish uh, Episcopal church, and... Uh, and then we st- all stood up to do the say the creed, except my son, who like was two at the time and was like lying in the aisle, rolling around, screaming. <laughs> and everyone was really kind and generous, and yet I just had this sort of like, I'm like, can I? Can I? Is there a corner I can go and like, mm. hide in? And um, you know, the, the sort of the, the standard that gets assumed and becomes this kind of weight. And I'm sure I brought a lot of that myself, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's it's easy for even just a glance, a mm. kind of sidelong, uh, mm. um, to just be have this weight, um, and o- almost I think the the church context, uh, as I say, kind of magnifies that, amplifies mm. that because of the um, we know it's been we're meant to do better. We're here in the we're in the business of changing mm. uh, and and being changed, and yeah. yet. Here we are, falling short, failing, yeah. um, and it just—it's worse. It mm. feels worse. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's a great segue to, well, how do we do this then? Mm. Like, let's have a let's have a conversation about grace. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how does uh, grace and how does well? We, you know, we've just been in four four episodes on redemption. Mm. How does knowing that we are deemed um, from you know sin and fear and shame and guilt and all those things how does knowing that mm, mm. believing that's true that jesus has paid the price for those things um 
how does that actually translate into, well, now I need to increasingly be changed from glory to glory? Like, mm. what does it even look like? Um, yeah, yeah. Chris, start us off with that. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, interesting you use the word knowing, um, and I guess it's, a, it's knowing uh, not just in our head, but it sounds a little cheesy to say, but for that getting to our heart. You know, it's mm. what, 30 centimetres distance? Yeah. Of course, the heart is not just that blood pumping organ uh, but but biblically I, I believe it's the uh, the seat of our desires our loves that those kind of deepest uh, most settled things that shape uh, who we are there's a um, scholar of Anglicanism uh, who writes about uh, Cranmer who came up with the Anglican prayer book and uh, his way of putting it is that what the heart loves the will chooses and the mind justifies it's not that we just get good ideas and we think think our way into change. Somehow it trickles down into our heart. But actually it's by um, what we love and desire in our heart, you know, like we saw back in Genesis 3 with, with the woman being drawn to, to desiring the fruit and actually that mm. being, the love's being reordered or redirected towards God. Um, that then changes our behaviour, our, our willing and choosing and deciding, and and then even our how we think about and, and I think would would also say feel mm. about ourselves and and our life. Mm. Um, and so it is. A, it's got to be that it's not just going to stay theoretical and true at an abstract level. That, that what what God has done for us in Jesus, redemption, uh, delivering us, forgiving us, all of those things has to come. And, and rest and settle and grip our hearts uh, for us to change in a really uh, deep way. And that is, that is the work of God, right? That's the mm-hmm. promise there in, in Jeremiah, that God will write the law on our hearts, mm. that God himself will be our God, that he will make us his people, that he'll be, be present with us. That's, that's the promise of the Spirit. Actually, God, God has to make that change. And I think we can we can work with the spirit. We can understand uh, what and s- follow in in the the New Testament the descriptions of how the spirit works, and see that there's some some things. And again, I might take us to a different text uh, in Galatians chapter three, uh, the bit where Paul really goes after them. You foolish Galatians! Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he his big challenge and and the reason why he's so kind of disappointed with this church and really wants them to, to, to change is because they, uh, they started the Christian life by um, trusting in the work of God, by his spirit, um, believing in the message about Jesus and that, that's how they started the Christian life, but that's not how they're trying to continue. Uh, he says they're, they're by, by works of the flesh. Now, however you want to kind of understand that, clear, the thing that it's not by surrendering to the work of God's spirit and and in particular believing uh, Paul says the the message they heard uh, which really interestingly he says it's a message they heard but it's it's uh, a thing that he says was this the message was that Jesus was before their eyes publicly portrayed as crucified um, which is a kind of interesting visual I mean we're on a non-visual medium here um, you can't see my beautiful face. Um, and yet, perhaps with enough 
description and vividness and you can picture and, and it, it can impress itself on you. And, and this is what happens as we hear the message of Christ and the mm-hmm. Spirit works to impress it on our hearts is um, that the good news about Jesus and God's grace in Jesus, it just, um, it's, it's beautiful. It captivates us mm-hmm. and it impresses itself on us with a kind of, it's real. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just a truth that we know. Mm-hmm but a reality that, that lives and looms large and uh, has a kind of gra- centre of gravity to it almost. Mm. Um, and as we hear that and as that comes to be pressed in, in relation to different issues, in relation to parenting, you know, for me, with my parenting thing and feeling inadequate and, mm. and guilt-ridden and all of this and, and like I'm weak and powerless, um, what, what for me, the, the message of, of the, the gospel needs to be become more real and loom large in my heart such mm. that I go, not just that I know I have a father and mm. my kids have, have a father in heaven who is perfect and reliable and, and loves them and, and so, but actually that I, I rest in that and I rest in that for myself, mm. that all, all my failures and fumbling he, he sees and knows and loves me and accepts me and mm. delights in me as his child. Um, and for my own kids, actually, when I feel I can't give them what I, what I aspire to and I fall short of that or I'm only partway there, uh, and yet God is their father too. And, and when I can actually take that to heart and mm. trust in that and, and just relax in that... I can begin to change mm. and be liberated from this cycle mm. of kind mm. of guilt and condemnation, self-condemnation and feeling powerless because God's present with me and working through me and in me and in spite of me in his, his mm. grace. Mm. Um, That's so good. It's so good. Um, so it's accessing uh, the kind of the vision of Christ mm. that, uh, brings grace to the forefront of our hearts mm. as well as our minds, mm. which then motivates change. Um, I love that. John, how has that maybe more like practically, how have mm. you accessed that? How has that worked for you in yeah. your life? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if another way of um, framing this conversation is around being in the presence of God. Mm. Uh, and for me, I'm quite an experiential sort of person, and that really appeals to me. Uh, and so, as you're talking, Chris, I'm thinking about when I'm in the presence of God, when I have a sense that God is here, that God is with me, uh, then it's in those moments that um, I experience the the truths, I suppose, of my justification, that um, I'm no longer... Um, treated with um, in shame but actually uh, the father has honored me in christ Mm. you know he no longer heaps guilt upon me and treats me as my sins deserve but Mm. actually because he's there with me um he's um sees me as pure and holy and righteous like jesus you know Uh, when he's with me uh, or when i'm with him then um i don't have to fear being destroyed by his glory or Mm. his holiness uh, but actually, yeah. because of what he has done for me in Jesus, he is there and I'm able to be in his presence. Mm. And that is something that's deeply transformative, right? Like mm. we're, 
when we behold him face to face, that's when we're actually being transformed from one degree of glory to the yeah. next. Um, and so when I have that sort of daily experience, that encounter with God and with mm. Jesus, you know, be it in my, in my prayer time or my Bible reading or as I'm walking down the street or driving mm. in my car, yeah. having that sense of, yeah, God is with me. Mm. That mm. changes you. That You mm. can't help but be changed by that. In the same way as the, the more time I spend with uh, my wife, I understand what pleases her, what upsets her, mm. what's important to her, what um, brings mm. her joy and delight. And actually those things start to become the things that I value because when I'm next to her, when my heart is genuinely for her, I set her priorities and her good above my own because I love her mm. and I want to give myself to her. Mm. And in the same way, that's what God has done for us, right? Like he yeah. sees us, he's with us and he's given of himself and he keeps doing so for our good. Mm. And, and so when we're in that sort of dynamic, um, that's what God does to us. We change. And our priorities become less about ourselves uh, and more about, well, how can I please God? Mm. How can I change because of his love for me mm. so that I can please him? Um, and I think, you know, and I, I see that coming, coming out in, uh, in my parenting, you know, in the way that I conduct myself, uh, in ministry, um, but also just the way that I talk to my neighbours. You know, mm. having that uh, measure of grace mm. and bringing that into our conversations, you know, trusting that actually it really doesn't matter too much what they think about me or my political views or how I choose to invest my money. That's quite different to the way that they do. Um, actually, because I have this daily experience with God, that actually gives me power um, to live for him. Mm. Uh, and so I think, yeah, having that sense of like the presence of God is deeply transformative. Mm. Yeah. yeah, great. I think that we know that what grips people um, is story. Right? What we want to desire, long to inhabit stories. It's why we love movies and books and TV shows. Mm. Like we are gripped and shaped and formed by stories. And it seems to me that one of the reasons the Bible, well, maybe the reason the Bible is a story is because that's how the human heart works. And so I wonder if, um, and for particularly for me, um, being rehearsing the story of grace from beginning to end, from creation to fall, promise, redemption, renewal, like, and seeing the, the huge insurmountable problems set up because of sin, and then the huge unshakable unstoppable force of grace being brought in through christ <laughs> like that grips my heart and that brings those 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 are uh, those dynamics of renewal um close and and captures me as as christ just becomes the central uh the hero the the pinnacle the climax of the story um and so i i just i feel like the this is such a good conversation to have at now as we come to the close of the series. Like this is, this is what gospel fluency is about. It's not just knowing the truths; it's knowing the story and and being gripped by it. Um, final thoughts from either of you before we finish up. Yeah, just to uh, pick up on both of those things that you guys have said. I guess uh, I mean the um, one of the interesting things about the experiencing the presence of God. And uh, that those the story um, that we know and rehearse coming to loom large and be real and be pressed 
on our hearts personally by the Lord through, through the power of the Spirit. Well, uh, when you experience that, you want more of it, mm. right? And and you because you, you develop a kind of hunger for it, and and it it's del- it you know oh wow that that I remember what that was like, and I want that more, and and how you go after it is really important. Um, and I know you're moving on to talk about fluency. Uh, and one of the keys, uh, Tim Keller summarizes the how the um, Puritans understood this in terms of gospel meditation. Mm. Um, that you, and he says, you, you need to think the truth in the truths of Scripture and the the story uh, and the, what it says about Jesus. Think it into your heart and think it out. Think its implications mm. out and mm. and follow them through into all the aspects of your life. And oh, if I believe that, what difference would that make about this? And mm. and you know, yes, that is true. If I lived as though that was true, what would that? do how would that bring me freedom and mm. you th- you're th- thinking it in and out um such until christ uh, be- you know the ideas become big and sweet and you have a sense of the reality of god and his presence with you on your heart um and that's a that's a thing that the puritans said um you know it, it doesn't just happen like you have to you have to work on it mm. um you have to it's that kind of the, the picture they borrow from uh in the, the scriptures of israel the with your family, you know, talk talk about the law, um, put it, write it on your door frames, um, make it part of the conversation as you wake up and as you go to sleep, and like actually not just reading the Bible one time and praying one time, and mm. but that in you know, not just hearing from God or speaking to God, but based on what you've heard from God, the story and the, the great truths, speaking that to yourself and to your own heart, mm. pressing it in. Mm. Such that then, when you speak to God, you're speaking out of a heart that's that's full, and you and you you know you've pursued that presence of of God in Christ. Mm. The only thing to say about that is, I love the story of the Emmaus Road and the the disciples who mm. Jesus met there, um, because what's what's kind of just great about that story is they didn't they didn't know right until. Uh, after they looked back on it after he'd broken the bread and mm. they're like oh weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road but they didn't realize at the time mm. and that's just profoundly good news i think because um god is always more invested in our change and transformation and renewal than we're aware of and always working at it mm. more than we're aware of mm. um, and so sometimes we have that kind of burning moment of realization mm. in the moment oh wow he's here he's present he's working amazing i'm humbled and but other times it's like oh wow yeah that whole experience was god was working mm. through that mm. and um and actually what meditation thinking the truth in and thinking it out until it's big and sweet and moving and affecting and uh, cry the reality of christ looms large that that practice helps you tune into that i think mm. and mm. and to keep pursuing that presence of Christ that can change us mm. and renew us. Yeah. So good. Thanks, Chris. John, final thoughts? I think in the Christian walk as well, we have a the possibility for an unshakable confidence when it comes to change. Mm. Uh, so Paul in Romans 8 talks about how we have... Uh, been predestined and called and justified and glorified mm. and in jesus that is sure and certain mm. you know in in elsewhere in scripture we have promises that the god who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion um 
how does he bring it to completion? Well, by the uh, power of his word and his spirit, but also through, as Chris was saying, through our efforts, actually, that he's ordained these means uh, of grace to change us. Uh, and so I think for me as a Christian, um, that gives me a lot of assurance, a lot of confidence, actually, that I can mm-hmm. keep persevering to change, knowing that actually God is not only calling me to change, but helping me to change. Mm-hmm. And also that there will be a day where I will be conformed to Jesus's image. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something that uh, breeds a, a laziness, but actually breeds a confidence. Mm-hmm. It's like... I, in, in a sense, I can't fail. Hmm. Uh, not because of me, but because Jesus won't fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's for me, that's really good news. Yeah, yeah. great. Thank you both. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you particularly, Chris, thank for coming you, Chris. in and joining us. Um, what a blessing and a great gift to us. So thanks for having me. Being here. No, really great. Um, the next episode will be the final episode for this season. Um, we are finishing up with restoration, uh, the new heavens and the new earth, the, the final goals. So um, join us next month uh, for that one. Um, in the meantime, uh, may grace be with you um, and to all of us. See ya. See ya.